0: Imagine what you could do if you had hundreds of years of influencer wisdom at your fingertips. So head over to TheInfluencerVault.com today and sign up to grab your free copy of our brand new Top 10 Influencer Insights Guide. You won't regret it. So again, that's at TheInfluencerVault.com Go there today to grab the brand new Top 10 Influencer Insights Guide. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you enjoy this episode of Let's Do Influencing. Hey, everybody, it is Corey Poirier, excited to be back live and excited to have two guests with me who are going to, in my opinion, change your thoughts around the book business, around thought leadership, around personal development. And so first of all, I wanted to welcome you both, Mark Victor Hansen, Crystal Hansen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks, Corey. We love being with you, so happy to be here.
0: Awesome. I'm so excited to have you guys on board. And what I decided to do today is, because we have a short amount of time, I decided I was going to ask you four questions that I have planned. And if we go if we go beyond that by a question or two, that's okay. But I have four specific questions, and I was going to go back and forth if that's okay. So, Crystal, I was going to start with you first. Sure. And I know that you and Mark put out this new book, Ask, during a pandemic. And so I wanted to, yeah, love, I love the book. I'm super stoked. I read it myself such a great book. And I wanted to ask you, Crystal, if you can talk for a second about maybe lessons you learned releasing a book in general and releasing a book during a pandemic. Wow. (laughs) You know, I think
1: the biggest lesson was just to trust, trust the flow, like go with the flow and really trust because all the indications were not to release it. Like all the publishers were shutting books down. They were saying, you know, don't do it. Let's move it back to the fall. And, you know, Mark and I, when we wrote the book, obviously the entire year before, had no idea that it was going to serve the purpose that it did during this pandemic. But we just all felt we had a meeting with our publisher and uh, felt like it was the right thing to do to move forward with this book. Knowing that, you know, this big uh, multi-thousand person event that was one of our launch events had just gotten shut down. The the guy was in a big insurance event. The guy lost five million dollars. It was really a dramatic time, you know. And, um, but we just felt like it's not just about the money. It's not just about, you know, having saying our book had this incredibly successful launch. We knew the message in the book was important. So we said, we just had to trust our gut and, and go with the flow. And I'll tell you, Corey, we've gotten so much feedback from this book. So many people saying, when I read this book, it gave me hope again. And, and that's the goal right there, you know, when you can help someone. This has been such a challenging time for people. And if, if people don't have those tools to hold on to, they give up sometimes. And so many people have suffered with depression and suicide and all these things. So we're just thankful that we did it because it all has turned out wonderfully
0: actually. Amazing. And so just to follow up on that question really quickly. So on the pandemic side, if you were to compare launching previous books through the pandemic launch, were people right? Like, was it, a, was it a tough time in the sales side to launch a book or did you experience the opposite or in the middle? You know, it was actually,
1: well, I would say there are advantages to having the live events, but it really kind of the opposite. I think no one knew that people would be home and like ready and this, this whole podcasting world would really open up and everybody was on Zoom. You know, we didn't have any place to go. And so it really gave us... Uh, So much exposure in a much more efficient way than getting on an airplane and doing big events and touring and things like that. It was so amazing. And I feel like I I do. I feel like it was all meant to be. It was we're so glad we trusted it because we reached people at exactly the right time in the right way. And uh, yeah, it's been incredible.
0: So I I love that. And I wanted to ask as well. Now I'll shift over to you for a second, Mark. When we talk about book launches, you've had a lot of experience with book launches. And so I'm curious. I have a two-part question. One is, did you leverage what you've learned in past book launches when you were launching this book? And then one of the things I heard about was uh that you and and Jack, it may have been one or the other or both of you, used a thing called the rule of five, where you would do five things every day to try to make the book um, just kind of build that momentum. So my question first, is that true? And then secondly, uh, did you use some of the same strategies for the launch of this book?
2: Well, the, the overall strategy has always got to be the same. Marketing is about reach and how are we going to reach people. And what happened is that because we were going into a presidential election, all the media was shut down. COVID shut us down so we couldn't travel. Like Crystal said, we had two talks, one with 11,000, one with 15,000, which was like you know, just a great way to launch a book. And, and both of them got canceled, so yeah. they were zero. And so our publisher said, like she said, push it back. And we said, no, 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 no. We take adversity as a challenge, you know, to go over, under, around, or through to get to the other side. And the other side is where we're at right now. We are we sold out of books a couple of times. With the publisher, we had to call them on a Saturday morning, which <laughs> you don't call New York publishers on Saturday morning, and say, what are you going to do about this? Because we are sold out at Barnes Noble Books A Million, Hudson and, and Amazon. He said, uh, well, take eight weeks before we get this back. I said, no, 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 no. We <laughs> we need something now. He said, are you okay with print on demand? POD it's called. And they print one every six seconds. And, and I said, yeah. So now we've got uh, both uh, paperback, which no one ever does, paperback and hardbound competing with each other, doing marvelously, extraordinarily well, because we're doing shows like yours, literally around the clock and literally around the world. So that's that part. So and we've done more podcasts, we're told, than anyone. And, and uh, whatever number I give you, somebody's going to say, well, I did one more. So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I've decided to better quit doing that. But we've done a lot, sometimes up to four or five a day, which is really – it takes a lot of brain drain because everybody has different questions. And and uh, and it's fun. We love every one of them, whether they're in Vietnam or or wherever. And it's been extraordinary. The second thing is that when Jack and I were launching, we went to a guy who is a super spiritual, phenomenal painter and uh, – he said, it's like whacking down a tree. You know, you just got to keep after it, the persistence model. And you got to do five things, five to seven things every day for the rest of your life. And, and I had interviewed, as you know, to sell more books, than Anybody? I didn't, I called up all the best fiction and nonfiction authors. I think I told you this before. And I wrote whatever they said, but I didn't want to know how to write. I knew how to write since I was 16, or at least I felt I did. And my wife was an extraordinary, brilliant, wise writer. But I asked, how do you guys and ladies market? And I was just, And every one of them to a person, whether it was James Michener, whether it was Wayne Dyer, whether it was Barbara DeAngelo, to a person, Corey, said the same thing. No one has ever called me and asked me how to market. And I go, you know, look, there's two parts to it. One, you create a really extraordinary book. And two, you market, sell, hustle, promote, and do stuff that no one's ever done. And we call that bypass marketing. We've done it then. We're doing it now. And, you know, obviously we've sold a half billion books, or the, starting with a chicken soup. Now, by the end of this year, I'll be up to 318 books out, and they're all, you know, the, the tide coming in. John F. Kennedy said rises all boats. Well, there's a rise all book sales, mine and hers, and we're very, very thankful. We're, because people are in lockdown in a lot of places, which is very unfortunate, books still give you, like Crystal was saying, the most important thing we can have is hope, because if you're feeling despondent, disconsolate, and suicidal, You'll kill yourself. If you read something positive, you're going to break out of the COVID confinement cocoon. Did I over answer your question?
0: (laughs) No, no, you answered it perfectly. And we had a couple of comments, too. I'll I'll, I'll just post on here so you can see them. But uh, one said, thank you so much for all the hope you created in your ripple. And uh, I thought I would put this up because the word hope came up both times and you just said the word hope. So I love how your messages have instilled hope. And so, you know, Mark, you definitely answered the question, and and it sounds like you did use some of the same strategies as well that you had used with previous books. And so, uh, Crystal, I want to go back to you, but the question I'm going to ask, certainly, Mark, you can answer this as well. Uh, Crystal, I wanted to ask you. Mark mentioned writing and that you're a brilliant writer, and I wanted to ask you what your writing process is. I don't ask this question enough, and I want to start asking it more often, but. And I ask this because some people I know feel like it was channeled through them. They just sit down and go. Some people say 30 minutes a day. Some people say I write until it's done. I go to a separate cottage and write. And I just love to know what your process is.
1: So I do love to, to create an organizational structure because I think that's important, but sometimes even the organizational structure has to develop. So it's, it's almost a combination of left brain and right brain for me. So, so you want ideas to start flowing and, Um, Mark and I, you know, kind of both like to sit down and and just let that flow happen. And when I'm doing that, I really tap into that spiritual side of myself, that right brain that, you know, you access the more spiritual creative side of, of things and really connect to the universe and all thought. And, um, I do that with the intention of, of letting information flow through me that will be beautiful, that will be transformational, transformational. And it will help the world in some way and in messages that go beyond what I'm thinking right now at this time. And, and I swear when I do that, Corey, you know, sometimes where can I say this, we'll do this, we'll write things. And then we'll go back and read our own writing later, later and say, did I really write that? That was really great. Not to be, but you do, you tap into you. Anyone can do this, by the way, if you're willing to take that time to just be quiet and understand that, you are connected to all. You know you're connected. You can connect to the source of all things. You're part of it. You're part of that of all of all things. You know, part of all wisdom, all information, all truth, all light, all love. So when you do that, amazing things can you. And then you do need to, as your ideas start to come together, all these beautiful bursts of information, ideas, then you kind of need to go into the left brain side and say. What's the best organizational structure for this? And I'd say I'm more the uh, organizational structure person <laughs> out of the two of us. Mark, and Mark's fine to let me do that. he He creates these big bursts of you know um, downloads of information, kind of the one hundred thousand foot level, and then I help kind of put it all together and put the you know do the transitions. but but we both do that type of writing where we really tap into that creative right brain side of ourselves and, and ask for guidance.
0: Love it. Anything you want to add on that, Mark? Right. So first of all, I
2: think that we right now I'm writing three different biographies over the next year. And we're finishing one right now about, you know, how you kept exploring the wealth of God in you. And what we've been doing and doing deep discovery on is how do you do that? And, and when you're doing it, like we did it as an unconscious competent. Now we're being consciously competent and going to back into unconscious competence. So you get to a higher level, right? The mastery is you're unconsciously incompetent. Then you don't know how to tie your shoes. You don't care. Mom and dad say, Corey, come on, come on, come on, get it together. Quit wearing Velcro. You got to be tying your shoes, boo boo. You know, we got to get this together for mom and dad. Then you become conscious. You can do it. Now you tie your dad's shoe to the thing and he falls over and say, uh, You're on your own, tied for your shoe for the rest of your life, kid. Uh, and the same thing with writing, but you go to these exalted states, it's from conscious to subconscious, you say, I'm gonna be an author, then the subconscious, I'm gonna do an extraordinary job, goes out to superconscious, and then what I'm saying now, the model of the God consciousness, or that blissful awareness that she said is light and shine and all that, and it and it does start to pour out of you. And and the beautiful thing about writing and, and thinking is that the older you get, the better you are, the wiser you are, the smarter, the more insightful you are the more understanding, the more perception you have, and the most magnificent thing you've got. Only two things. The reason we wrote ask is because, you know, the big guy said, ask and you shall receive, but nobody detailed how to do it. And we're saying the three channels are ask yourself, ask others, ask God. But then the second part to that is when you ask, imagination blooms. You start to have insight and illumination and understanding and wisdom, and you start to bump into stuff. There's a synchronicity and universe that works with you once you're asking positive, right, uplifted, hopeful questions.
0: I love that. And, and I had another question, but somebody posted a question in the comments, and it relates to what you're talking about here. So before I jump into my next one, because I know it's a big area, I'll also share this question here. So I'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. Uh, and it's by Katrina Bro or Bray. Uh, Do you have a location that stimulates your creative creativity to flow better than others outside nature in an office. So I'll let you, uh, either one of you tackle that question.
1: Well, I'm just going to say, I think nature is so important to our creative flow. I mean, in nature, we we experience the flow of life. So Mark and I, we each have our own office in our home and each of our offices is set up to work. Mine looks out at the back of the Sonoran Desert and I just have this huge window and I'm looking at, you know, you know, the desert, the beautiful trees, the color, and I'll see all these little animals come up like this, I We get red cardinals, and the other day, you know, a red cardinal kept popping up right next to the window, and then I looked, I kept it came up so many times, I was like, what is the spiritual sign of a red cardinal? And it said um, that your angels are nearby, and I thought, that's so magnificent, because I was just feeling that, like, I wanted that angel-angelic con- connection, so it's, it's amazing, I think, be, putting yourself near nature, now, it's not always practical, like, to go outside and write, but if you can open a window, open a door, let nature in, you know, Put some really good, uh, uh, even essential oils that come from nature, you know, um, eucalyptus and lavender and things that calm you and get you in a sort of calm centered state. I think that's super important.
0: Awesome. And Merrick, you want to share anything on that side as well?
2: Well, I, I agree with everything she said because that's what we do. But the other thing I forgot to say is that every morning when we wake up, when we're falling in love, we're sitting next to a man of the cloth the MB-92, and and we're at the Mother's Market back in Costa Mesa. We're now in Scottsdale, Arizona. But the guy leaned in and said, you two are so in love. Do you want me to tell you the secret to a happy marriage? I said, well, I certainly do. That would be absolutely wonderful to do that. So uh, what is it? He said, well, the secret to a happy marriage is that um, you pray out loud every day. And we both prayed in church and with our family and the handholding the grace and all that. But we started praying out loud together, and you sculpt your life. It's sort of like when they asked, Michelangelo, how do you make the greatest sculpture ever, David? And he said, I chip out everything that's not David. Well, that's what we're doing. We're chipping out the stuff that isn't working for us or working for a book or working for one of our businesses or working. We've got five kids in our blended family and six grandkids that we adore. And we try to say, how do you do that? So it is wonderful. Because The goal for everybody is to have fulfillment. And subtitle of our book, Ask, is get to your destiny. And every one of you, if you're alive, you have a destiny And all we want to do is brush away the cobwebs, brush away the whiffles, brush away the detours and get you to the fulfillment of your destiny. Our destiny is to help everyone get to their
0: destiny. So I said there was another question I had uh, as my kind of four prepared questions, if you will. It was around the idea of bypass marketing. And you had mentioned it earlier, Mark. And I know the last time we talked about it, it's one of those things that really resonated with me because – I know about it. I, I followed the path, and I, I knew that both you and Jack were doing that with Chicken Soup, but I just never really put a name on it. And then once I, you shared that name, it just started triggering ideas for me. So can you tell us, uh, I'd like to dive into that a little bit further again, but can you tell us what Bypass Marketing is and, uh, and an example of it? And then maybe I'll dive in with a question or two following up on that.
2: Just three quick examples. Uh- First of all, the Red Cross was out of blood, and I met with Liddy Dole and her people at, at the head of the Red Cross at that time. She said, Look, you have these great ideas, Mark, that are like Crystal just said. I'm a macro thinker at 100,000 feet. Most people are lucky to be <laughs> at ground level or 30,000 feet, but I go to 100 and said, Can you get me blood? We're out of blood. I said, How soon do you need She said, Yesterday. I said, Well, I can't do yesterday, but I can do today into the quick tomorrow. And and we talked about it. Long story short, I was working with chiropractors, and there's are 77,000. I said, the, the whole, all of them, I've been training them in how to build a million dollars cash practice. I said, hey, look, and they're all buying our books. Thank you. And and they, I said, you got 25 million patients coming in a month. What we need to do is reactivate the old patients. You call them up and say, come in, and they'll get a little, what we call a sampler book, three stories out of chicken soup. If they give a, a pint of blood, they also get a free adjustment. And it just went wild. It worked like crazy. And we were number one for 58 weeks in a row because of that. So that. And, and we had enough blood cryogenically frozen for a year and a half in advance, so that's that one. We tested with Coca-Cola, and, and Coca-Cola drinkers do not read books, but I knew that real estate exists on the side. So they do 50 million Diet Coke, and, and we did it with our book, uh, Chicken Soup with the Romantic Soul next to Nora Roberts' book, Hidden Riches. And we raised enough money in six months to get 15,000 kids up into Boys and Girls Clubs fully paid. And it was just, it was phenomenal. It was just beyond exciting. So you do stuff that nobody else could do. And we were on the side of 600, in the inside wrapper of 600 million Campbell suit cam. This is why I said, imagination is a front end of creation, front end of realization, front end of materialization. Everyone's got a great imagination. That's why in this book, ask the bridge for your dreams. We all have dreams and most of us go, oh, that'll never happen, that'll never happen. Well, I agree. I didn't believe at some levels that I could pull off Coca Cola. I didn't believe I could pull off Campbell's Soup. I didn't believe me helped the Red Cross. Are you kidding? But it's cause related charity, and every charity right now in the whole world is having a problem. So if you find out what you believe, you can go do extraordinary things with ordinary as an ordinary
0: person. And I feel like the bypass part that's so brilliant in that is, of course, you're bypassing the traditional bookstore chain. I mean, obviously, you're still there as well, but you're bypassing that and finding unique ways to bypass that. And one of the things I'd like to ask you about is I saw a rerun of Friends not that long ago where – and I don't think they ever had another book that I noticed on the show, but they – Chandler, I think, was reading the Chicken Soup for the Soul book and trying to pretend he wasn't. And he threw it under the couch and it flew under and hit Monica in her feet because she was asking what he was reading. And he said nothing. And my question out of all that is, do you recall that situation? Like, is that a thing where they decided they want to put it in or was that a product placement? Or how did that all come together? Because that's certainly bypass marketing.
2: That is called product placement. And, and we were really good at it. And, and luckily, at the time I lived in Newport Beach and we were up and down in Hollywood. And Jack and I were meeting all these stars and we said, hey, look, this is a book. It changes people's lives, and and so they put it in Friends. We put it in Touch by an Angel. As a matter of fact, all the shows Touched by an Angel. I was, I was really, really close. If, if you don't mind my bragging for a second about Della Reese, and she's got a phenomenal story. I don't know if you've got enough time to tell it, but, you know, and she read that story before every show, in that, and, and she did it with Daniel Steele, who went to Harvard with Dr. Canfield. Jack was third in his class. She was below that. Anyhow, and, and, and we got them to – do it and, and so Hollywood started loving our book and, and we even had a TV show for a while uh, that was just beyond beyond so the answer is yeah but you got to do all of it and you got the most important thing and I'm going to keep coming back to is Napoleon Hills and think grow rich I'm going to call I'm going to change that slightly I've never done this before but imagine and grow rich because it, it is and, and we are really hot on this thing because this imagination is a front end of realization is really it's my line but it's a tough Thing to understand because you go yeah yeah right i'll imagine and Corey's gonna help me get there right yeah sure and, and by the way it's easy to discount anything but it's hard to stay you got to stay stay stayed on your purposeful stay stayed to your destiny and my destiny is still to sell the same thing we talked about last time billion books i see now that when if i've been a publisher back in new york and read that i go yeah get this guy out of here these guys are nuts nobody sells that but then we're just on the show with a guy we love the guy who does uh Amazon bestseller, the biggest show in in the book business, uh, Mark Deverell and Mark started out saying, well, Mark, you are the Roger Bannister book. Well, he said, do you know who Bannister was? I said, yeah, 1953. He's a medical doctor, broke the world's record, ran a four-minute mile. But I said, do you know what happened the next week? He said, no, what happened? I said, 119 people ran a four-minute mile. Now, we physiologically weren't any different, but we mentally had broken the barrier. We've broken a belief. We changed a limitation. And that's what thinking is about. That's what imagination is about. That's why we're in this critical shutdown time. Imagination has to bring us into a future utopian, happier, more fulfilled realization.
0: So as we start to wind down, we have roughly about seven, eight minutes left. Crystal, I want to ask you uh, about on the book side, when we go back to the side about um, selling books, and, and I said during a pandemic, but just in general, is there, and Mark, just to give you a heads up, I'm going to ask you a similar question, but is there a, a, a number one secret or two that if you were talking to somebody, let's say a family member, and they said, Crystal, how can I sell books? Like, what what's the secret? And I know there's a million answers to that, but is there one or two things that pop into your head that you see move the needle?
1: You know, I think what's really important to remember if you're thinking about becoming an author, or becoming an author, going to do a book. You have to start with a really great, valuable book that gives really you know great insight, great motivation and really practical, useful things. And so you you want to make sure that your book has a long tail because um, and that will happen if you have a really valuable book, a book that people are going to read and say that really changed me, that I love that. I love that story and I want to go back to it Um You know, like just for example, like the fable, we started the the book Ask with the fable of Michaela. That story alone, people have said and written to us many times that if this book just had the fable, it would be more than worth the price because they'll read it like three or four times. They'll wake up their teenager and sit and read it with their teenager because it gives you a new understanding. It's a beautiful story that really, um, you know, Michaela's journey helps us all connect to. Um, that sacred place within ourselves that, you know, that God and others, right? It finds that sacred connection that, that we're all missing sometimes. We get, we get lost along the way. So back to the book, I mean, really look at your book because there are some tricks that people can do. You know, you can hire a team and you can do a book funnel and, and you can sell a bunch of books all at once and you can get your friends to come buy your book. But that's such a temperate and you might be able to hit Amazon number one. But it's not really sustainable unless you start with a book that's a real treasure. So spend some time with your book and really get other people to read it, question it, um, and really figure out, you know, come to terms with what's what's in here that's a real treasure for people that will be passed along, not just this year, but for many years to come. If you look at the books that, that do that, like The Alchemist has sold 150 million books. And it's been around for, what, 25 years now, I think? so books like that um yeah so i think i think that's one of the most important things to remember
0: I, I oh, we right we're gonna say something
2: well you said you want me to cover it too so we did a book called you have a book in you and, and it, i think i agree with everything crystal said you got to have a treasure of a book it's got to be extraordinary it's got to be excellent but then you got to have an extraordinary title and this book teaches how to do it and If you go to Amazon, it's one price. If you go to HansonInstitute.com, we give it plus a bunch of other stuff for an extraordinary less expensive
0: price. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, and to that point of what you mentioned, Crystal, I feel like a big takeaway there is, to have a good book to start with, to write a good book to start with. And, uh, you know, we were talking off air about James Redfield, who wrote The Celestine Prophecy. One of the things James shared with me is what he did was he wrote the book. Then he sent it to, he had 15 people that were kind of like his focus group. And he sent it to those people. Now, this is before he ever had any books out. It was the first book. And what he wanted to know is you tell me which page you stopped reading on. He wanted to know what page they were stopping on. He wanted them to pick up, of course, errors and grammar, but he wanted to know why weren't they turning the page. And he wanted to find out which page were stopping people. And he wouldn't stop until all 50 of those people said, I couldn't put it down finally.
1: I love that. That is such a great story. And it's so true. It's what we need to think about as authors. You know, better to take a little more time on your book and get some feedback. Mark always says feedback is the breakfast of champions. And it is. I mean, you'll have, you'll create something. It'll take you a little longer but you'll be so proud of it and your heart and soul will be a part of that book. And and it's almost like you're, you're sharing a little bit of your heart and soul when you really put that time and energy into a book to share with other people.
0: Amazing. So my last, because we're down to the last three or four minutes. So my, uh, my last question for each of you is the podcasting side. You talked about doing a lot of podcasting interviews around books. What was that experience like? And what would you say to other authors who are thinking, how should I go about marketing a book in, you know, in 2021 going forward, is podcasting a viable channel? And is it one of the, if we go, if we uh, talk about just marketing and interviews and media, do you feel it is the future for interviews or what do you feel is the, the future? for interviews?
2: Real quick, but first of all, podcasting is a new TV and radio. Like I grew up when TV came on in the 1950s, right? As a little kid and we had ABC, MBC, and CBS. Now we've got 500 stations podcasting, I don't know the real number, but 2 million podcasters in America. And we went from absolutely podcasters. We probably had one person listening to us. You know, we started because we didn't know what we were doing. And then you go to, uh, but you add, do three things after you're done with the podcast, like we've done with you, Corey. We say, if you like it, send us your links, so we can put it on our social media. Number two is, would you like some of my best superstar friends on the show? And you always say yes, because I need you to be a warm, gracious guy that loves me and keeps trying to help promote me. And I'm going to keep promoting you. And then, um, Number three, let's go to the, introduce me to the biggest and the best shows that exist. And we just kept doing it. And that's why I said, I think we've done more than anybody. And we loved it. And let me just do the bonus point. I've met people now that, and so it's Crystal, that have read our respective books that we've never met, like the biggest business guy in London. How would we know that he's our fan? In Vietnam, in in. Australia, the guy says, man, I mean, because I read your One Minute Millionaire, I made $30 million. I always wanted to thank you, but I had no way to get to you. And he go, oh my gosh, I would have liked you to get to me. <laughs> just to be, not not that I want anything from him, I just, you know, my goal was to create a million millionaires. And right now we're in more devastation than ever before because we've got 50 million Americans not employed and a billion unemployed. I want to get everybody employed, happy, because you have to contribute. You have to serve. I'll finish before I get back to Crystal. Martin Luther King said, all of us can be great because we can serve greatly. In Christ at the Last Supper, they say, boss, how do you become great? He said, the greatest amongst you is servant of all. All of us can serve greatly. Mm.
0: Wow. Crystal, did you want to add anything to that?
1: No, I, just, I, I was just going to say, you know, again, it's about that. Just like the bypass marketing, I think it comes down to making sure it's a win, win, win for everybody. I think you do better in life, in anything, if you're looking at it not just from... You know, what can I get from it? And we talk about this in the book, Ask. It's like it, asking is really a circle. You, you want to ask and, and you also want to give. I mean, you know, so we talk about being a grantor of wishes, but if you look at life as more of like a value wheel, so even when we're podcasting, you know, we're, on the, we're coming on their past podcast, but how can we help them? How can we promote their podcast, Make them give them a little more exposure, send them some great guests? And then send us to other great, you know, podcasters. We all need to be helping each other, supporting each other's journeys to the greatest degree that we can, because nobody can, you know, live this life as a lone ranger. And that's part of the ask others, you know, part of the book, you know, ask yourself, ask others and ask God. This is such an essential part of our thriving in this world is to be able to do that and, and to be able to have this sort of value wheel where we, we can receive from people. We, we, we're we not afraid to ask and to receive. And we're also mindful of always giving and, and being a grantor of wishes on the other side of, of the circle.
0: Yeah, and, and I have to back up what you said because you did yeah. do all three of those yeah. things you mentioned uh, as far as wanting to give a shout out for the show. But then you also connected me with great people like Mark, Mark Gulstein. am I pronouncing it properly? And, uh, and Mitzi Perdue yeah. and some other great guests. And then, of course, we did share some names of shows that you guys would be a good fit for. And so everything you just said, uh, 100%, I want to back up that you did. And also, I want to um, put some more comments that are coming up here. Uh, Also, this is what Deborah said. She's looking forward to reading Ask. She had the honor of meeting you many years ago, and she's enjoyed chatting with you. All the books you read by your fabulous.
2: So I just well, want only because she's in Alberta. I got to tell you, our new favorite. We we love Canadian TV at night. That, after we're done writing and trying to rest and rest our brains, we're watching a uh, Heartland, which comes out of Alberta. Actually, it's in Calgary, uh, Alberta, and it's
0: just such a touching show. Where do you live in Canada? Me, me, or her? Uh, me, I'm I'm in Prince Edward Island. So the yeah, tiny little beautiful. That little uh, yeah.
2: trip up to the uh, drive over, yeah. That's cool. For those yeah. listening, that what I just said—it's a 13-mile bridge, isn't that correct? Am I doing right?
0: Yeah, it's—it's uh, it's, yeah. If it's not that, it's you're within a mile or two. So yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I just—I was only on it once or twice. I, I'm going to say yes. I think you're more right than I am. So yes. Okay,
2: so uh, <laughs> I just—I just love all the people up in your island, and we're friends with one of the guys that wrote a book to us. His Rabbi Ruth Martin Martin Ruth lives, lives up there too, and is a, a, a mensch. You know that term, of course. So you got <laughs> it together. Those <it's> you guys <laughs> as Love and life clips.
0: Well, just the, the follow-up to the Heartland, it's filmed right yeah. where she lives.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Thank you, Deborah.
1: It's just one of those beautiful, you know, series. It's easy to watch. We, we just got to the point where we couldn't watch any more, like, any violence and, you know, anger and all of these, these drama, you know. I mean, this there's still one. drama. There's still, like, family drama. It's very beautiful. And the horses are beautiful. And the land and nature is so beautiful. And it's just Mark and I are really careful about what we feed ourselves with because and, and, I, and I hope the audience can remember this. I mean, we're getting bombarded by all this terrible news and horrible things. And it's, it's so bad for our, not only our nervous systems, human beings, but for our ability to project our lives forward in a positive way, because we're, we're getting that feedback and we're actually taking it in so much that we're projecting that forward into our lives. So we try to really filter all of that out and, and try to put more beautiful input into our lives.
0: I love it. And my very last question is: uh, outside of, of course, where can we learn more and, and get asked and all? I think I know the answer to that. You can probably get it anywhere great books are sold. But where can we get asked and learn more? But I guess the other question is: I'm mean, thinking, Ask is not the last book that you guys are both going to write together. No,
2: we're going to do a whole series, and, and we want everyone to not only get asked, and because it's not sold out at Amazon, get it there. I guess. If you've got a bookstore, that has got to get it there. I want to support independent bookstores. We're very keen on bookstores and libraries and all that. But the second thing is we put a website up for everybody, bookclub.com, and it's free. We want everyone to become what we call a master asker uh, because we think it's the most important thing we could do now because asking is the only thing that opens up your mind, opens up your vision, opens up your imagination, opens up that wonderful imaginal faculty did you become what you image?
0: Mm, amazing. And so any last words, Mark, Crystal, before we, we close things I out? Just,
1: I just want to remind people that there's no mechanism that has the ability to reveal what is hidden from you like asking. So sit down and take, you know, get the book as your guide and sit down and start asking questions. And it's amazing how magical that asking journey is, how much it will reveal to you about your life and the direction you should be going and really give you confidence and courage to go there.
0: Awesome stuff. So Mark Victor Hanson, Crystal Hansen, once again, I thank you so much. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, and uh, we'll call it a to be continued.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Corey.
0: Thank you everybody for tuning in. I'm going to end the broadcast now, but questions of course, post them in the comments and I'll circle back and answer any questions I can. Thank you again.